to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome to an adventure in history. We're so glad you're joining us again this evening. And we are... February. It's February. We're in another month. Or as I like to say, February. Right. So no, that you spell I, it correctly. I don't, I don't say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got going on? Anything? Well, we got no, no awkward small talk. We don't. Because we have a great guest. We do have a great guest. And I booked her like... A month ago or so was it more or more even i think she's so busy that you booked her like a year and a half ago <laughs> wait i do and we, this was the first opening we have the Clatsop community college foundation director with us here this evening angie hunt yes thank you for having me yeah glad you're here thank you glad we finally and made it work the i was gonna say the yes. college up on the hill but you have locations all over Yes, we there, do. There's, there's locations everywhere. The South County, the yep. Small Business Development Center. We got the Mertz campus with a lot of our career and technical education groups, plus the Lexington campus um, up on the, the hill, as you referred to, Mac. Nice. And and everybody listening, raise your hand if you love Gladstone Community College. I'm raising wow, my look, hands. Look at all those hands. I'm raising my hands. <laughs> yes. Of course we love it. So since we got a... a Power pack show. We do. You got, you got, got your word? I got a word. Okay, so this is lost words, words that are historic, Alana's no longer bringing used. Back. Um, I'm bringing back, and Max reminded me. Okay, a panthropy. A panthropy. Yes. And it is an adjective? It's a noun. A noun, okay. I, I believe I take the first guess so that I sound really <laughs> stupid and you can seem only marginally uninformed. But then you'll realize why it's a lost word. So say it one more time. A panthropy. A tramp. A, 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 that's a hard to say. Kind of like philanthropy. Yeah. So I believe that that is um, it's a person who takes the leave a penny, take a penny when they shouldn't have leave a penny. Close, but no. Do you have any guests, Angie? <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, I took linguistics a long time ago in college, oh. but nothing is triggering from that other than, you know, kind of like Mac had said, the philanthropy, some kind of yeah. giving of something, but... See, I chose it because it sounded like philanthropy, yeah, but I that is you not me. why. It is a, a desire to be alone, a distaste for the company of others. Which none of us in oh, this room have. See, no, no. See, I was dead on with my description because when that person takes a penny and they shouldn't have. Right. That's why they're, I they're, a, they're a horrible human being and they, they are <laughs> shunned by all of society that sees them do that. So they do want to be alone or else they a wouldn't do that. Yep. Maybe. Not a descriptive <laughs> word to use for any of us here. That's right. Okay. Um, so we won't do a deep dive into it, but Casino Night, put it yeah. on your calendars for uh, February 17th, Saturday night at the Heritage Museum. Uh, 18, uh, 1920s Speakeasy Casino I Night. I love it. Adults uh, only. Adults only. Um, because there are adult beverages. Yes. Uh, and a casino. I mean, you get to really gamble. Gambling. Yeah. Gambling with funny money. Yes. But gambling nonetheless. True. So great event we'll talk about it more next week okay uh let's see the history highlights of the day though things uh, that happen tomorrow february 5th uh, 1631 roger williams arrives in america welcome i'm sure he was so You're, welcome <laughs> i know he shows up in boston but they don't like him there so he ends up starting sure. rhode island oh, okay that's why you knew him 
Okay. Yes. I, could, I could tell the look that you were like, wait, yeah. why do I know him? Okay. Uh, 1825. Hannah Lord Montague of New York creates the first detachable shirt collar. Okay, so when you look at like old portraits, photographs from the 1800s, most of the time they're wearing a paper collar. It's a fake collar and the shirts are actually colorless. Oh, But they want to appear fancier. So most of those photographs, it's like a fake collar. Paper. Yeah. But that's not what this is, though. This is creating one that comes off. Uh, You know, I didn't do a deep dive, but detachable shirt collar, I'm assuming that's kind of what it meant. Okay. Interesting. But you could be right. It could be some fashion thing that I'm not aware of because I'm not a fashion historian. Glad we got rid of those. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 1846, the Oregon Spectator, the first newspaper to be published on the West Coast, begins. Oh, I love that. Would you have guessed in Oregon rather than in San Francisco? No, I wouldn't have. Me neither. Interesting. I mean, they must have been publishing something, but I guess not paper, right? First newspaper to be published. Yeah. All right. I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, 1852, the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg first opens to the public with Catherine the Great's collection of 4,000 paintings forming its core collection. Wow. The Hermitage. Yeah. I think that might be the only reason I'd ever want to visit Russia. Okay. Yeah. Any opinions? No I don't opinions. think you should go. Yeah, <laughs> That's I'm my not, opinion. Well, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not, not going time. to. <laughs> if I could somehow teleport directly to the Hermitage for an hour or two and then yes. teleport out, I would do so. There we go. All right. Let's see. Uh, 1861, the Kinemascope. K-I-N-E-M-A-T-O-S-C-O-P-E. Kinemascope. Patented by Coleman Sellers in Philadelphia. Not yet movies, but projecting things. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, 1901, the Loop-to-Loop Centrifuge Railroad roller coaster uh, is patented by Ed Prescott. Ooh, I want to be the first on that, right? <laughs> the first? <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you, do you think he's trying it out on a monkey first or I, I on his know. kids, on his neighbor? Well, probably himself, right? I mean, people... <laughs> Usually are pretty firm believers in their own products, but... (laughs) Okay, that made my day. I just put that one in because I thought maybe it was funny and I like to say loop-de-loop. Do we enjoy the loop-de-loop roller coaster experiences? Not at all. No. Occasionally, yeah. Not like continuously, but some of the the, Disneyland, that was a a fun one with the kids. Okay, so I was, as many loyal listeners know, I used to love Late Night with David Letterman when I was a kid, when I was on NBC at 12.30. And one of the writers who was frequently on camera was a guy named Chris Elliott. And he had a short-lived show that really wasn't very good, but it was called Get a Life. But in the very first episode, he's on a loop-de-loop with his friend who's playing hooky from work. And it stops, and they're completely <laughs> upside down. Oh, and no. And it, it's just a very funny, like, 10-minute segment of that TV show, the very first premiere episode. So, oh. anyway. Um, 1922, Reader's Digest magazine is first published. Well, that's fun. I like that one. Still I like, around. I like yeah. Reader's Digest. Yeah. I always like the drama in real life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they also had all the, like, uh, the campus comedy and the in the army laughs and things like that that people would write in. Right. I, haven't, I mean, I used to remember it. I mean, because my folks subscribed to it, right? Yeah. There's always but, something at my grandma's house. But it is house. still around, right? Isn't it? It's it still has around. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always remember reading it at my grandma's house. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, 1927. The General, American silent film starring Buster Keaton, uh, co-directed by Keaton, uh, premieres in New York City. The General was filmed 
down in Cottage Grove. Oh, okay. It's an Oregon-made film. Didn't know that. And the coolest thing, it's actually, I think you can see it online. I think you can just, like, just Google it and you can mm-hmm. watch it for free because it's so old. But uh, there's a dramatic scene at the end where a railroad, uh, a, a train, gets blown up as it's crossing a bridge and falls into the ravine. And they actually did that live. Like, they took, like, three cameras and actually filmed it because no special effects. Right. And that train stayed in the ravine until World War II. Oh my gosh. And then they realize we need some metal. We're having a metal drive. There's this train just sitting down there in the ravine in the stream in the river. So. Not causing any habitat <laughs> destruction. Oh my gosh. I hate the like, wish it was kind of still there. What a, what a tourist attraction right. for film buffs. <laughs> Okay, uh, 1936, the National Wildlife Federation forms. Okay. This was almost my history highlight of the day. 1981, the largest jello uh, <laughs> is made. It's 9,246 gallons, and it's in uh, Brisbane, Australia, I believe. Guess what flavor? Cherry. Yeah, I was going to say the red. Wouldn't you think? Yes. Watermelon. Well, what's uh, wrong with them? Well, that sounds that sounds like it tastes better. You really think so? Watermelon? Sure. Wow. See, if I was going to make the world's largest jello, I, I don't know that watermelon would be on my top five. <laughs> orange. Are you, are you an orange guy? Orange? Of course I am. How yeah, did you know that? Because you seem like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. That really bothers me that you knew that. <laughs> I can tell you're an orange jello guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. You know how people talk about like your work spouse? <laughs> Are you now like my radio I, I spouse? Am, yes. You should not like have known that right <laughs> off the top. Wow. That's uh, that's going to trouble me for the rest of the show. All right. But our history highlight of the day, I think, I think had the most important uh, impact on history. 1901, Pierpont Morgan forms U.S. Steel Corporation. It's one of those giant corporations like Amazon or, right. or Google or, and, or Microsoft. And really involved with railroad, right? Yep. And railroad building. Oh, tons and, of everything. Skyscrapers, I mean, everything. Everything. Okay. 1901, it makes them fabulously wealthy, of course, but U.S. Steel Corporation. Okay. That's Would fun. I miss anything? No. I, wow. I looked too, and yeah. I didn't see the Jello one, though. <laughs> so I didn't even have time to think about that. <laughs> but no, I was excited about our guest. I'm glad to yeah. have, we, we have uh, the Classical Community College Foundation Executive Director, Angie Hunt, mm-hmm. with us tonight. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our banter. <laughs> okay, so our gift to you, that's, this is the transition. Okay. Our gift to you, great fundraiser for the college, the largest Jello mold in the state of Oregon. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we have, well, we do have some tanks out at Merck, so we could maybe get them food grades. I, I don't know if you have to be able to eat the Jello after you make it. Um, that sounds terrible. It, you, you've got a lot of uh, wheels turning there. I don't know if it's for good or bad or <laughs> whatnot. So so you're not going to run with that? I mean, you're a nonprofit too, Mac, the right. County or yeah, Historical Society could also do this. We should have done it in connection with our food exhibit that's about to wrap up in the next week. Oh, upstairs in the that. Heritage Museum. We love that exhibit. Oh yeah. my gosh, my kids have been going almost weekly. <laughs> it's a very it's a very cool exhibit. It, it's popular. Yeah, they love it. Um, okay, so okay, good to know. So but we do have you have two other fun fundraisers before we get into everything. We have Pickleball coming up. Yes. Brand new. This is our first ever um, Pickles for Pickleball fundraising event that is to benefit our Bandit Food Pantry. Um, it's a... It's been an adventure of sorts, um, learning a lot, but um, kind of taking my coaching background and converting it into the pickleball space to engage in a fun and 
new format. So it's it's kind of uh, individuals playing as part of a team. So you mix and match. Round robin is the term that the pickleballers use. Um, <laughs> I've that. been learning all these things. Um, you know, volleyball, pickleball. There's a lot, um, especially the doubles part of it. Um, but it's it's a bit of an experiment. But I think it'll be fun. We have a, a good um, slate of players presently. A, a good um, supporting from our sponsors in Providence Seaside Hospital as our t-shirt sponsor. We got Northwest Natural helping out with the swag bags. Um, Kimberly's Cleaners, Blum's Auto. I mean, it's a big community thing that's really um, bringing everyone together in a new way. Um, So I'm excited for that. Um, We'll be on February 8th. We'll have some t-shirts for sale. There'll be some snacks if you want to come to the Sunset Empire Park and Rec and check it out. Um, If you didn't get registered in time, it'd be a way to see what you missed out on and maybe be willing to join us next time we do a pickles yeah. for pickleball event. I, I will, love it. And is the plan, will these sponsors all field a team as well? The Some of the sponsors will have um, individual players. So they'll, okay. they get to participate as part of it. We have a, a banner that will be at the event, and then we will hang it up at the Bandit Food Pantry throughout the year. So you can come check it out up there. Um, it's a it's a great space on campus. Um, it was so popular that we've had to kind of revamp the food pantry to focus more on students. That's going to be in March, so March one, um, because we have 67, 68 percent of our students um, in a survey had some kind of insecurity, whether it was food insecurity, housing insecurity, homelessness. Um, so it's a big thing with our students and when the students don't have access to those resources when they're on campus it can impact their education so um, a lot of them um, coming on the, on the run they need to grab a quick snack and if it's no food then they go hungry um, and that was yeah give that, that stat again of how many of your students yeah. what percentage it was 67 percent there was a hope survey that was done in 2021 um, and that was a big kind of transformational point for the the foundation kind of that 20 um 19 to 2020 into 2021 right. what was going on then again i, I forget what <laughs> right. was that you know <laughs> yeah. um pandemic covid the the word we don't want to really um yeah. go back to but there were a lot of things with the foundation um that transitioned us from being traditional scholarships to more holistically supporting students. So the food pantry kind of came through that. A uh, big springboard was a request from the college for blankets for students. Hmm. Wow. I mean, are you living in your car? Are you going to school? We have students that are living in their car and going to school. And so in the wintertime without heat, um, blankets, you know, small things make a big difference. Um, and I, th- I think that's an important message. And I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that you're talking about that because I think it's very easy for, for us to see an unhoused person in a tent on the sidewalk and know there's a problem there. Mm -hmm. This person might need help. But if you see somebody with a going to, to a college class, that's not going to register instantly that maybe this person is struggling and maybe this person needs a little helping hand of some kind. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, with all of our scholarship recipients, as they're applying for things, the biggest thing is just thank you for the support. Little things make a big difference. There's gas, you know, housing, childcare, um, books. Um, There's a lot of the the federal funds will cover tuition um, because people think, oh, you get a scholarship, you get everything covered. Well, some scholarships have limitations and you can't get everything covered. And that's a big kind of motivator from our Magic Opportunity Fund. Um, and that was generated from our 2022 fundraising event. Um, be part of the magic. We raised a record total of funding for that. Um, 
had 105,000, turned that into um, 70, $1,500 scholarships, uh, talking with financial aid and the leadership at the college. $500 a term can make all the difference for a student in terms of an emergency need. Um, so we piloted out in the 22-23. Um, the spring term statistics, 83% of our recipients finished the year. Oh, and wow. these are certificate and degree-seeking students for students who didn't receive the funding, the retention rate. Any guesses? Ooh. 50 percent was to say yeah 40 50 percent 60 so wow. 60 is like the baseline we got 83 percent so great um and then we just had our share the magic in 2023 um had our fall stats for this term 94 percent of the recipients finished in good standing compared to 80 percent for those who didn't receive and that's pretty much on target with where we started the 22 23 so we're excited to see how i mean it's it's a it's a good thing but then it's like how, how many students are um, not able to receive it and the impact. So kind of if we, if we could give it to all the people who need it, could we get that mm -hmm. 60 and that 80 up to higher numbers? Because these are your, you know, your nurses and your mechanics yep. and your um, vessel operators and, and people working on um, jobs that will impact the community. So helping them get into the workforce will help all of us. I love it. I'm already smelling this could be a three-parter. I know. <laughs> because I, I do, I'm, I'm watching the clock here, and I'm like, okay, we haven't even really met you yet. I know. Let's meet <laughs> Angie. This Again, it's uh, CCC Foundation Director Angie Hunt. Thank you for being here again. Um, but tell us how you got here. Um, well, I got here in 1996, so I've been here a little while. Um, my husband's a school teacher, and... Um, measure five, if anybody remembers that, back in the, the 90s, it, it impacted education um, immensely. And as a new teacher getting into it and finding no jobs, we were in a situation that wherever he got a job, that's where we were going to go. Um, I have a, a biology degree, so I was a little more flexible of where we could go. Um, and that first year, we actually, um, he interviewed in Warrington first. And we came up, and that's the first time I'd been in the area, and we fell in love with it up here. Wait, now, where did you come from? Where we, did you grow up? And, oh, and where, uh, we want to go all the way back there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, I grew up in the Eugene Springfield area, um, out in the, the country of the Mohawk Valley, a nice little place. My parents still live in the house I grew up in. Um, went to school at Thurston High School. Oh, yeah. um, wow. Went from there to the University of Oregon. Um, played four years for the volleyball team there. Um, it was kind of a, a dream of mine to play for a Pac-10 school. Um, I, I, I didn't tell any of my teammates till many years after the fact, but I originally had wanted to go to Seattle and play for the Huskies. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't have any openings in my position. Oh. Um, but I had opportunities to go um, all over the, the country, but Pac-10 is where I really wanted to be. U of O was the only school that offered me a scholarship, so I ended up there. The Canucks. only school. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, from the Pac-10. That's, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. That's um, quite an honor. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, um, it, it was a good time. And I, the, the coach I played for had been a former Olympic team captain. Um, and then having played for, you know, since I was 12 and then that kind of transitioned into coaching. Um, so that was actually my first job out of college was coaching at Cottage Grove High School. That oh, was wow. in the same league that Thurston was in. Thurston right. always went to state. Cottage Grove always was winless. So, you know, fresh uh -huh. out of college, 
take on the world. Um, we'll change things up. Um, we still didn't win any games that first <laughs> oh, year, <no>. uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of you know just building up the confidence. I mean, I don't even remember when they had had a winning season. I don't think they did either. Um, that was a big thing of just fundraising to get new uniforms. They had the same jerseys when I was coaching in 95 that they were playing in when I was in high school, and who knows how long they'd been oh part of the goodness. program before that. <laughs> See, I was going to comment before you said, and you still didn't in your first season coaching win. I was going to say, that's a low bar. You're going to, yeah. you, you could beat that record right away, and then and then you didn't. So now I, now I feel badly. That was the first thing I was going to say was, wow. We had, we had moments. It was just one of those, you know, you learn a lot about the psychology of coaching when you're in there of just all of that. Think of going to like a, a rescue, you rescue an animal and you don't really know the history and, and you realize that there's been a lot of um, abuse. I was the fifth coach hired in seven years at that, high, that school. Wow. Um, the athletic director, when I had the, the interview, it was going to his house over lemonade and his, his, his one stipulation was that we, we play longer than the warm up because it was back in the day when you served a score and so a lot of times they would be 15-0 and just scoreless. So that was that was the goal. And we did accomplish that goal. We always played longer and we went we actually I mean I don't think we had any scoreless sets in that stretch. We would at least score in every set. So we we did move the needle. We didn't get all the way to winning um the, the the matches I, it was still like the very first tournament we went to they had their new jerseys and they go in and they're just you know super confident and we're playing this team that had a history of being really good and we were ahead and we were winning it was like 12 to 10 and like as soon as they realized that we were winning we started making all these mistakes i mean it was just that psychology piece of like what are we doing we're not supposed to win we're not supposed to win this what are we doing this isn't right we need to be back you know and so they kind of found ways to get back to their comfort zone of where they're used to the score being um how fun yeah so you stayed there for a couple of years we were there yeah so i did two seasons and then um that summer of 96 is when um whatever locations we kind of missed we Guess we should back up. I got married in 95, so that okay. kind of like set the, the stage for that. Um, and then uh, he didn't wasn't able to get a job that, that year, so it was just substitute teaching and, and kind of piecing things together. So 96 was like, wherever you get a job, we need to go there. Um, and Astoria called um, in July, and Klamath Falls called the very next day. And I was so grateful for um, the, the call. It was Larry Lockett, and, and uh -huh. no, it wasn't Lockett, it was uh, Steve Geary was the one before. Um, and of course, Chris was at summer school, and we didn't have cell phones back in those days. Um, so had to sit on that, wait for him to come home, and we were just cloud nine um, the, the rest of that whole summer and just kind of transitioning. Um, I always envisioned living in a coastal town, and Astoria just has a lot of the, the quaint history, and um, it, it just has a good feel. Yeah. Um, Had so you ever visited here before? No. So his interview um, in June for the Warrington position was the first time we visited, um, and it, it was... Um, uh, perfect day. I, we were up, we had extra time, went up to the column and could see the ocean. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the ocean <laughs> as clearly as I did on that day. That I think day. it must be something once you become a local, you know, it's over. Um, you, you don't get those 
as often as when we were trying to entice the new people to, to come. But it was beautiful. Um, and then just being a part of the, the schools there, it, it helps to kind of build that community and um, raise our family here. Our daughter is still, she's working here now after graduating from college. And um, so it's just, it's just been a, a great place to call home. Good. And is your, is your daughter in education as well? Uh, yeah, she is a counselor at Astor Elementary School. I was just putting together <laughs> that Miss Hunt could be related to you. Oh, my daughter <laughs> loves her. Well, she's lovely. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she, she, too, is a basketball coach. She's coaching. Right? Yeah. I mean, you were volleyball, but. Yeah. Well, I, I did a tour of duty with the basketball team okay. um, when they, they were in need of coaches. My husband was the, the boys coach for the high school, and they, they needed a JV coach, and kind of worked it out and figured, I mean, the kids were still younger, a little bit of tag team with uh, juggling the kids and the seasons and all that, but, but made that work. Um, and that's, Chloe, her first word wasn't mom, it wasn't dad, it was ball. First word ball. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to share that little tidbit with Carly. <laughs> Surprise her in the next counseling class. Yeah. So how long have you been at the college? I started on March 16th, 2020. So if oh, anybody awesome. remembers, that was the first day <laughs> the was... campus closed down because of the, the COVID. Um, so it was, it was uh, quite the transition. Um, I had spent 23 years working at the OSU Seafood Lab as a senior faculty research assistant there. Um, the coaching bit that I had was really a big motivator to, you know, kind of take that jump into foundation work um, as the executive for the CCC Foundation. Um, and <laughs> Sunny Cleaver was great um, mentor to, to learn from. It, it was a lot of just, you know, have all of the external crazy and then the learning a completely new profession crazy. Um, it was almost like being in finals week, but it lasted for three months instead of a, a week at a time. But um, <laughs> it's been a great, um, a great fit. The foundation board is a great team. Everyone really has a, a, a sincere passion for the students and wanting to do what they can to help them get their education, um, filling in the gaps of need so they can, you know, enter the workforce and and get the degrees and and I mean, kind of the every student that has access to the resources and tools can then benefit our community. Um, we're not going to have enough time, but I do want to just before we get into like how people can support you. Um, I think there are a lot of people, and both of my kids are, are examples, that use the community college as a launching board to another four-year college and never could have afforded four years at Portland State or OSU or someplace else. So I think it's an incredible resource. And then mix in things like the nursing program, Which Burt's love, campus. Yes. I mean, just so many amazing things, and, and Classic Community College is such a worthy place for philanthropy, for whether it's just 50 bucks that you can send, um, it is worth the community's support. So how do people support you? How can they support and you? And what big how event do they... Can they come attend soon? Yeah, so April 13th is our Celebrate event. It'll be at Patriot Hall. That is the source of our Magic Opportunity Fund. So it's a it's a great way to kind of collectively add whatever you can give to the pot so we can combine that together. Um, our 
2022, we raised over 100,000. Last year, we were closer to 80. The foundation, there was so much value in that program, we added in enough money to, to fund at the same level. So our, that's kind of our, our minimum goal is to come in with 105,000. Um, and we have tickets you can buy, sponsorships you can um, participate in. February 7th, it was kind of the extra bonus. If you want to pledge or confirm, we'll get you on the invitation list, uh, back of the invite that goes out for our mailing. Um, there's, there'll be lots of social media and online forms and you can always just send checks to the, the college with a little memo line of where you want it to go. You can put magic on there and that'll let us know where, where to send it, but everything helps. I mean, $25 gas cards to, um, $500 a term, $1,500 a year. I mean, every little thing can contribute, um, in, in small ways that then collectively can make a big impact. And you can donate online and you can also buy your ticket or sponsorship online too, Correct. if you want to. And that address is, um, it's just, uh, go to the foundation. So about foundation, our event is on there and I'll take you to the website, um, or just put celebrate 2024 CCC foundation. I was going to say, you can Google it. Mine yeah. just popped right up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind that's of the, easier. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you, Angie. We're so glad you're with us and in this community doing great things. Um, looking forward to hearing more about, about the college. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. All right. Go make some history. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.